0: Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. What a week it was for Coach Jawan Howard and his team. Two huge road wins and Isaiah is back. Knock on wood, we'll avoid any other weird injuries down the stretch. Beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News joins me this week with his take. First a few of my thoughts to get us rolling. It is great to have Isaiah Livers back. It is pretty easy to see why this team plays at a different level when he's on the floor. In every aspect of the game, he makes us a much more dangerous and complete team. That is an observation I think we can all agree on. You never like to see a player of his ability go through what can only be described as a freaky run of injuries. In a strange way though, this team might be peaking and a more complete team because of his absence. Without him we needed to use a combination of other young players. Worst case scenario was they would as a group plug the hole until he came back, but it has ended up being much better than we expected. All of a sudden his replacement, Brandon Johns Jr., morphed into a player who contributed on a much more consistent basis and is just scratching the surface of his immense talents and what about austin davis seriously did anyone expect him to become a force like he has and then there's david DeJulius. most of the season a nice backup option and a guy that could give xavier a rest and not hurt us now Juwan is finding ways to get both of them on the floor at the same time and you can see why he has become a guy that can keep the offense humming and knock down the threes take it to the hole And his defense has really been good. Even Colin Castleton is making solid contributions as of late. With Isaiah out, I thought the rotation would be shorter because we just could not count on many players on the bench. But the opposite has happened. The bench has become a strength. And with Isaiah back, we are now a team that has depth and good depth at that. It's coming together at the right time, and it is fun to watch. My guest today says this team could be primed for a big finish with a nice run in the postseason. Joining us on our game day segment next is beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. Here on the Michigan Man, in partnership with our friends at SB Nation's Maize & Brew. So stay with us. Here with us again on our game day segment as we talk about red-hot Michigan basketball is beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. Once again, James, great to have you with us. Uh, Thanks for having me back. Well, James, at this time last week, you know, I thought, and I think a lot of Michigan fans thought the same, Uh, you split two on the road and we'd be happy, Uh, but winning at the rack without Isaiah, and then beating Purdue at Mackey Arena, that sure said something about the direction of this team and where we are, didn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think um, when the news came out that Isaiah Livers uh, wasn't going to play at Rutgers in that first game, when he was out with that right ankle injury. I think some people might have already been chalking it up for a loss just because of how well Rutgers had been playing at home. I mean, they were 17-0 and going into that game, so I mean, a lot of people probably weren't expecting to pull that out, but as we saw, I mean, kind of Xavier Simpson kind of led them, led them through that game. Even though I mean, Rutgers coach Steve Beukel, you know, his whole game plan centered around slowing him down, but um, he was able to to kind of shoulder the load throughout most of that first half, and then um, they were able to, you know, just just do enough and kind of find a way to pull out that win there at Rutgers, and then and then yeah, Purdue. We saw, we've seen how good they can be at home. I mean, you can look back at that when they kind of just. Uh, Pummeled Michigan State when they uh, kind of just went on that huge run. Um, and I mean, they've done that to to teams several times in Mac Arena. And Michigan has had, has had struggles at Mac Arena. They didn't they, they haven't won there since uh 2014. But I think the biggest thing you can look to for these uh you know this recent stretch that Michigan has been on has just been their the way that the the defense has improved. It's kind of been the story over this past month. And I mean, Michigan really didn't shoot the ball well in either of those road games. I mean, you look at their three point percentages they shot. You know, 26% at Rutgers, and they shot 24% at Purdue. But in the Rutgers game, they kind of just made enough timely threes there to kind of stave off the, the Scarlet Knights. And then, and then with Purdue, it was kind of Michigan had that that late run at the end of the first half that kind of put them up 15. And and I mean, they, their offense kind of didn't really do much in the second half, especially the first 10 minutes. I think they only scored three baskets over the first 10 minutes. But they're, I mean, they just leaned on their defense, and the Boilermakers really never. Really never made it close until the final, final ninety seconds. So, uh, yeah, there definitely were um, two two impressive road runs, and I think it just kind of speaks to, like I said, just how how well um, this team is defending um, over this past month.
0: Talking about the defense, you wrote a piece the other day, and Coach Martelli said Michigan had transitioned from an offensive team to a winning team. Talk about that statement. I know he was uh, talking about the defense, but it's really more than that, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean. Uh, I mean, early on, Michigan, with, uh, you know, Jawan Howard being in his first year, Michigan kind of had an advantage on teams just because there's there's not much film out on them. I mean, no one could really look at film on Jawan Howard since this was his first first head coaching stop, so there was nothing, uh, no other places to look back on. So, I mean, they had that advantage, and, and like you said, yeah, I mean, they were an offensive team early on. You look at some of their numbers early on, I mean, they were shooting above – 50% in a lot of their games. I mean, the Creighton game, they shot like 57%. And then in the Bahamas, I mean, they just shot their way past, you know, Iowa State, North Carolina, and Gonzaga. They're almost like a an offensive buzzsaw, if you will. But, yeah, I mean, once you get later in the season, especially in Big Ten play, there's more film, and there's obviously going to be much more scouting on you. Teams are, you know, they're going to try to take away what you do, what you do um, the best offensively. And we kind of we kind of saw it when, you know, Michigan kind of went through that, they had that rough patch in January where they lost four straight and, you know, in a 5 or 6. But, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing, you know, Phil Martelli was talking about is that they just – Michigan has just been able to find ways to win, you know, no matter what. And as of late, a lot of that has been on that defense. I mean, yeah, it's just this team – another thing is just the balance that this team has. It's not like, you know, Michigan has to rely on, you know, one or two guys, you know, each game. It's seemingly, you know, you can have – a different guy stepping up each game, whether it's, you know, a guy on the bench kind of coming in and providing a big spark or or a couple guys stepping up. And, I mean, you look at the game at Purdue. I mean, Xavier Simpson didn't make a single shot, and they still kind of won that game comfortably. So, yeah, I think it's just – I think what, you know, Phil Martelli is talking about is just that, yeah, they're just able to to win in any any variety of ways, and they can win, you know, with the score being any way. I mean, if Michigan has to to score in the 70s and 80s, they can win if they have to, you know, muck it up and score in the – in the, you know, 60s, 50s, they can win. I mean, we've seen that during this five-game winning stretch. I mean, you look at, they won at Northwestern. I mean, they scored, you know, almost 80 points. And then Indiana, um, I mean, Indiana shot like, you know, 46% from the field. But, I mean, Michigan in that game, they had five guys scoring double figures, and they kind of shot a blistering 58%, and they still kind of blew them out by 24. So I think you can just see what this team, this during this five-game winning stretch, just the, the the ways that this team can win. They can either, you know, kind of the switch on offense, or they can kind of, you know, clamp down on teams uh, on defense, or, that, you know, they can have different guys step up at different moments. So um, I think that just speaks to how this team has, has developed and continued to improve throughout the season.
0: Everyone's glad that Isaiah Levers is back, and he's saying he's not 100% yet, but it is uh, sure hard to, uh, to tell he has any issues right now, isn't it, after Saturday's performance?
1: Yeah, no, it, it was, I guess there was a it was kind of interesting watching him go through through pregame warmups just to kind of watch to see how he was maybe handling his ankle. And it did, it seemed like he was not trying to push off of it too much, like during pregame warmups in terms of like step backs. And he wasn't really dunking um, as much as he usually does. So um, I think for him, it was just probably just trying to manage and get through it. But I mean, yeah, he played, I think it was 36 minutes in that game. So clearly there's not many, uh, not much concern on that, but I mean, yeah, we, I don't think there's going to be much concern with him moving forward. It just must, I think mean, it's just going to be a bigger thing of him just kind of, you know, taking care of his body and kind of managing things as he, as he moves forward. Cause I mean, Michigan right now, they have, they've had a couple off days. I mean, they don't play till, till Thursday against Wisconsin. So there's been a little bit of a break for him to kind of, to kind of rest a little bit and hopefully get a little bit healthier. But um, I mean, yeah, I mean, Isaiah Livers is kind of the catalyst on both ends for this team. I mean, you can just look at the record that Michigan has when he's on the floor, when he's not on the floor, I believe they're Thirteen and four with him in the lineup, and five and five without him. So I mean, definitely, if I mean, Michigan's going to need um, Isaiah Livers on the floor if they're gonna, in order for them to even, you know, be at their be at their best.
0: Well, when Isaiah was injured, we needed others to step up, and you know, I think the mentality was at least plug the holes uh, while he was out. But really, we got much more than that from several guys, uh, starting with Brandon Johns Jr. Your thoughts on what Michigan has been getting from him, James?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely with with Isaiah out, that's that's led to uh, you know Brandon having to step in and, and fill a, a larger role, and I think that, that kind of helped. I mean, it's, it's not one of those things where you know he's going to come in for just you know a few minutes stretch at a time, but I mean with that he kind of knew when he was in the starting lineup he was going to get you know a, a healthy helping of minutes, so it wasn't one of those things where you know sometimes you get guys that you know coming off the bench, and, you know they're they're thirsty for a bucket, so to speak. Um, but with him, it's kind of one of those things where he doesn't have to, you know, press or kind of feel like he has to come in and score right away. I mean, it's kind of just one of those things where he can, you know, just kind of let the game let the game come to him in a sense, and kind of do just do whatever he has to do. And um, that that was something we've seen when, whenever he's been in the starting lineup. And I think going through those those games where he was filling in in the starting lineup kind of helped boost his confidence, and it kind of helps him whenever he has to come in, you know, just kind of off the bench. Because I mean when you're in that starting lineup, I mean, you're going up against, obviously, the, the other starters, but then when you're coming in off the bench, you could be facing, you know, some of the backup dudes later in the game, so I think, yeah, just him getting those, getting a lot of those live game reps and getting those, uh, the much more minutes and, and all playing time has definitely helped his helped his development. I think it's helped him really build his confidence and kind of help uh, show what he could he can bring to this team, and, and, as, and as we've seen, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like it affects him, whether he's, you know, coming off the bench or, or in the starting lineup. I mean, you look at you know the the indiana game he came off the bench and kind of just poured in 14 points so yeah i think that's kind of one of those things where at the time you know it's not it was bad news for michigan you know to not be uh to have isaiah livers out but you know it's another one of those things where it's almost like a a blessing in disguise so to speak just because it, it kind of helped brandon johns kind of get you know get all this stuff under his belt and kind of helped you know kind of spur his development and getting all these uh kind of jumping into these bigger situations that will only, you know, kind of help this team as it, as it moves forward with a, you know, March on
0: the horizon. Yeah, absolutely. I love what we're getting from him and my surprise player of the year, Austin Davis. And, you know, I have to say, James, I did not see this coming. Uh, his contributions have been huge and I love the physicality he's bringing to. He was really banging in the post on Saturday, wasn't he?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing Juwan Howard and a lot of his teammates talk about is just his, his strengths. I and mean, they they talk about how he really, uh, Kind of bangs down low, and he's kind of a kind of a handful. Even in practice, he doesn't really take it easy on anybody. But yeah, I think uh, like we're alluding to over the, the last month. I mean, the defense has kind of been a story, but also just the the, the play that Michigan has been getting from his bench um has been another uh, storyline over this past month. And I mean, Austin Davis has been a big part of that. I mean, he had that that stretch where it was almost he, he was just coming off the bench, and you could almost just expect him to get like I don't know, like ten points, six boards. That had that. I think he was like 26 for 29 or something. He was shooting like almost 80% or something over over like a five, six game stretch. And, and I mean, that's huge. I mean, I think if you if you think back to last season even, that was kind of the one thing that Michigan didn't have was kind of that backup five was kind of the, the problem for them or that concern the entire season. And now it's almost like there's not even a worry when, you know, if Teske gets in foul trouble, you can just put, you know, Austin in there and, and you don't really have any concerns about the lead kind of, you know, dwindling. I mean, at times, you know, you put him in there and uh, Michigan's able to kind of extend the lead with, with Teske on the bench. And I mean, that's that's also helped Davis' play because you look at John Teske, and he kind of has been struggling a little bit as of late. He hasn't been, you know, putting up the offensive numbers that, you know, he has earlier in the season, but it hasn't been that that big of a problem. Like, it's almost been just with the the offensive production that Austin's been able to give. It's kind of just kind of, a, you know, helped set that. And yeah, and the other thing is, that stands out with his offense is just I think his footwork is much improved mm-hmm. and just his, his post moves down low I mean you you watch what he's able to do it's kind of insane and I mean if you look back to his first three years I mean obviously redshirt his, his freshman year but the last two years you know he really didn't get to see that and I think maybe the biggest thing with him is just uh you know kind of with when he was playing under John Beeline maybe he didn't get maybe a longer leash to kind of play through mistakes so to speak so maybe he goes in and he makes a mistake or something. Then he, you kind of get that sense where you're looking over your shoulder and, you know, you kind of, kind of get the yank, you know, after a couple minutes or so. But I feel like that's the one thing Juan Hart has done more so this season. He's kind of letting guys, play through mistakes a little bit more. I think that's kind of helped helped uh, Austin and uh, obviously with the, the level of play he's he's had as of late. I think it's all, it's helped his his confidence a lot. And and another thing too is I mean you think back to last season. One of the biggest issues he had was defense or falling. And uh, it seemed like every time he checked in, he got like, you know, two fouls within a minute or something like that. But he's done a, a much better job of, of, you know, defending without fouling um, this entire season. And uh, I mean, you could you could look to him and definitely think, I mean, he might be, you know, obviously one of the most, you know, improved players on this team, you know, if you're just looking back to, uh, to last season. But yeah, I think his his development and what he's been able to pro- to provide Michigan over this past month, you know, can't be overstated, and it's, and it's been it's been huge.
0: No, absolutely, I agree with that. Another one of the bigs that's starting to contribute is uh, Colin Castleton. I mean, he needs to get stronger, no question about that. But he seemed like the forgotten man once Big Ten uh, play started. But he, in the last few weeks, has made some really nice contributions too, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, I think I think with him, like you like you mentioned with Big Ten play, I think. If you if you just kind of look at how the rotation's been as of late, I feel like Michigan's kind of dwindled down their their rotation. I think they kind of have it set to where they kind of like to have this eight-man rotation where they kind of have Dave DeJulius as the guard off the bench, Austin Davis as the big, and then obviously Brandon Johns as kind of the four. Um, and, you know, Collins kind of, his playing time is kind of taken a back seat as of late. But obviously, I mean, he, he's shown, I mean, the big mantra with, with this team this year that Coach Howard preaches is, you know, stay ready, stay to get ready. I mean, Colin has shown that uh, at the uh, when they played at Rutgers. I mean, because Isaiah Livers was out with his with his ankle injury, and then Brandon Johns was in foul trouble. So then, I mean, after sitting the entire first half, you know, Jawan didn't hesitate to to turn to Colin, and I mean, Colin came up huge in that second half because that was when Rutgers they went up nine and they, they they seemingly had had all the momentum going for them. And then, you know, it was Colin that kind of stepped up, and he had that three point play. He came through his length. I mean, he was defending out on the on the perimeter, which is you know kind of kind of a tall task for a guy his his height to kind of defend out to effectively defend out on the perimeter and kind of um, move his feet and that's something he you know he was working on a lot heading into the season is being able to guard multiple positions like i said i think his his playing time is kind of taking a backseat just because i think michigan kind of has kind of figured out the rotation that they kind of want but i think it speaks volumes to colin that i mean he can sit there and he can his playing time you know i he, i think he missed he didn't even play in two of the past five games heading into the Rutgers game but you know he was kind of thrown into there. You know, Juwan Howard just still had his trust in him, and he threw him in there. And I mean, speaks volumes to the that he's able to kind of step up and deliver in, in a key moment like that when Michigan's on the road and they were kind of on the ropes of, you know, kind of uh, kind of getting run out of there almost if if Rutgers is able to to build a double-digit lead there. But um, yeah, the, his contribution he had in that Rutgers game was was huge, and it kind of helped. Michigan kind of turn the tide in that game and pull out, pull out that win.
0: Well, you know, I was thinking on Saturday uh, when I was watching the game, uh, I hope we appreciate the kind of point guard play we're getting right now uh, because time is running out for Xavier Simpson, but he is just has been a maestro, especially down the uh, the stretch, and is just playing his best basketball, I think, James.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can look at the Purdue game. I mean, he like I said, he went 0-for-10 from the field, but that might have been one of the best 0-for-10 games you could see in a while just because... He was still able to – he still controlled the game, even though his shot wasn't going down. I mean, obviously Purdue, they were letting him shoot from three, and I think he was over for 5 from three-point range. But, I mean, he still impacted the game and controlled the game the entire way. I mean, Michigan only had three turnovers in that game, and I think that, that just speaks volumes to the, the job Xavier did controlling the game and running the offense for Michigan. And like I said earlier, too, in the in the game at Rutgers, I mean, Steve Peipel mentioned that the, their game plan, their defensive game plan centers around slowing down Xavier Simpson, and you could see how they kind of changed up their defensive strategy against him in the, in the first game at Madison Square Garden. I mean, they had, you know, two guys chasing him, you know, over the, they were going over the screens, and that kind of plays to Michigan's strength, and he was obviously able to, to kind of carve up Rutgers just with his passing and kind of just kind of get the offense humming there, and they were able to kind of get whatever they wanted. But then in the game at Rutgers, I mean, they started sinking under screens and kind of daring him to shoot, and we saw what Xavier did. I mean, he made those first two threes, and Michigan kind of got kind of jumped out on him and kind of got rolling early on and then they kind of had to change up their their strategy against him but I think that yeah I mean you can just look at those Rutgers games and you can see I mean Steve Peichel's kind of game planning around Xavier but he still had no answer for him I mean he Xavier kind of shouldered the load both scoring and facilitating to kind of help Michigan kind of uh, stay even with him I think they went down one at one at halftime in that game but but yeah he kind of carried Michigan to both of those wins the one at Rutgers and uh and at Madison Square Garden but uh, definitely I mean he could be one of those guys where they talk about you know seniors kind of uh seeing the light at the end of the tunnel maybe that's maybe that's happening with him right now but I mean this is the time of the year where you kind of need uh need your you know your players to kind of take that next step and uh Xavier has uh, certainly been doing that for Michigan
0: and you need your point guard to hit his free throws late in the game and he's been doing pretty well at that too hasn't he
1: yeah I mean that was always the the huge struggle with him that was uh I mean last year that was or two years ago, I think it was when he first came in. That was kind of his his big uh, Achilles' heel was uh, kind of not coming through in those late game situations and kind of splitting the free throws. But I mean, that hasn't been a, a big problem for him. I think he he missed I think he missed a few at, at Rutgers, but it was never when you know the the lead was really in, severely in danger. But uh, I mean, yeah, that's kind of been one of those things that uh, hasn't been a problem for him. You know, this season or, or last season, really. Um, this you know, that the whole Hack of Simpson thing, the whole Hack of Simpson strategy kinda hasn't a hasn't paid off for, for an opponent in a in a while. And I think that just speaks to, you know, Xavier's uh you know, the hard work he, he had put in, you know, working on his free throws that kinda helped shore up that area.
0: Well another thing I think we have to appreciate as we uh, head down the home stretch is what we're getting from David DeJulius. He's become more than just a good backup for Xavier, hasn't he, James?
1: Yeah, I mean he's had a he's had a step up in a, a couple couple careers. I mean there was the game the game at Nebraska where obviously we're Where Michigan was was without Xavier when he was serving that one game suspension. Then the game at Northwestern, where you know uh, Xavier got in really foul trouble. I think he sat the last 12 minutes of the first half. And I mean, that's those were games where uh, Dave he kind of had to kind of be more of a point guard. He had to be more of a facilitator. And I mean, I mean, he speaks to the like that's not something he's kind of used to. I mean, he's he's more of a uh, a scorer. He kind of has more of a of a scoring mentality. So that was kind of a. uh, Different kind of a responsibility. He he kind of had a shoulder um in those games. But, I mean, you you could see, I mean, at Northwestern, I mean, he, he did a good job doing it. I mean, I think he finished with a career-high seven assists in that game. So that was kind of a, a, a good thing to see from him that he can, you know, kind of run the offense and facilitate for other guys instead of, you know, just looking for his own shot. Um, but with that said, I mean, he is a guy who can – clearly get his own get his own bucket he can you know kind of create his own space and kind of get get his own shot whenever he needs to and and he's been another guy i mean even with when isaiah was out he's another guy who kind of had to had to step up because there's you know michigan obviously at times they went to that three guard lineup with xavier dave and eli so he obviously had to step up in those bigger minutes but yeah dave has been a guy who throughout the season he can come in and obviously he's he's almost like a microwave he can get hot hot in a second and uh he's shown that i mean his with his offense he can Kind of the complexion of a game, you know, in just a matter of minutes. He, he obviously had a big stretch too in that in that Purdue game. You think about when Purdue kept, kind of kept it kind of kept threatening to cut the the lead to, to single digits there, and he had that one stretch where he kind of. Skyed up over a couple big guys down in the paint. And he kind of tipped in that uh, kind of a missed three-pointer to kind of push the lead back to 13. And then right back on the other end, he he drew a, a foul on Purdue for a moving screen. And that kind of, you know, helped Michigan kind of distance the lead again because I think they scored on that following possession and push it back to 15. So, yeah, I think David, David throughout the entire season, he's kind of been a huge spark coming off the bench. And he's just been a, a guy that anytime, you know, Michigan, Michigan calls on him, he, he can kind of come in and, and impact the game. And obviously he does that the best, though, with his with his scoring ability. Well, I
0: think most of us realized it might take Franz Wagner some time to develop. I mean, he's a freshman, he's in a new country, but it, it seems to be happening right before our eyes, doesn't it, James?
1: Yeah, definitely. Phil Martelli, after the Purdue game, he was talking about how he still doesn't think his three-point shot is kind of fully there. He kind of still thinks that when Franz fractured his right wrist, you know, before the season, that that kind of set him back. And he was kind of talking about how he thinks he, he can shoot it better from three-point range than he has shown, I think, on the season. I mean, he's only, I think, Thirty percent on the year. He's only made three threes, at least three threes in four games this season. And obviously, when you know coming in here, I mean that three point shooting and being kind of the perimeter threat was kind of the thing that Franz was known for. Obviously, coming from from overseas from Germany, I think you know with Alba Berlin last season he he shot he was like a 40, 40% percent three point shooter, and I mean obviously his numbers not there this season but I think that just kind of speaks to Phil Martelli's optimism that you know his numbers will eventually you know level out and kind of get to the level where you know they think that he can get to but but yeah I mean obviously it was going to take time for him to kind of get get back into things because I mean like like we know back in the Bahamas he kind of just got thrown into things kind of got thrown into the fire you know logging heavy minutes um, right off the bat in three straight games so yeah I mean it's just going to take time for a guy to get into game game shape and kind of get into the into the flow of things but I mean you can I think as of late, it seems like, you know, he's kind of just been playing his his best basketball at the, at the right time. But um, the thing with Franz though, too, is like he's been logging heavy minutes, you know, throughout the entire year. He's playing, you know, 30-plus minutes. But the one thing with him is like you don't have to worry about, you know, him not making an impact because even if he's, his shot's not exactly falling, he's still finding ways to, to make a difference in the game. And I think, you know, one thing that probably gets overlooked a lot is his defense just because he does a lot of little things that kind of doesn't show up in the box score. I think one of the he does really well is he's able to kind of just get his hand in passing lanes, and there's a lot, he gets a lot of those deflections where he's, like, not even looking at the ball, he just kind of, he kind of just sees, uh you know, the guy's defending is kind of maybe expecting the pass, and he kind of just gets his hand out there, and he kind of, you know, deflects either the bounce pass or whatever, and same thing, like, if a guy's cutting to the basket, he does a good job, you know, of deflecting passes, you know, either, you know, off the bounce or, or lob passes, and, and those are little things that often, you know, get overlooked and kind of really don't scope show up in the stat sheet, and another thing is, it, just his defensive instincts have been really impressive just to watch, just kind of knowing, you know, maybe when to to help, when to, when to rotate, you know, if it's kind of, you know, there's a miscommunication, just kind of throwing a body on a guy. And he's improved a lot as a rebounder too. I mean, if you look at his rebounding over the past month, it seems like almost every game, he's getting at least seven, eight rebounds. I mean, you think back to, you know, when his brother was here, Mo, Mo was almost allergic to rebounding. um, And that's, hasn't yeah. been hasn't been the case with with Franz at all this season but, but yeah it's definitely it seems like as of late he's kind of he's kind of picked up his play and I think you know if he's able to kind of get to his three-point shot down kind of be more of a consistent threat from there I think you know he's just going to be that much more of a problem for opponents because as we've seen too he's he's been able to kind of almost get at the rim at, at will ever since he's kind of been in the lineup and there was times early on where he kind of had a had a little bit of a trouble finishing at the rim, but as of now, it just seems like he can, he can you know kind of get to the hoop and drive and finish at the rim. He's he's shown he's an effective effective slasher. I think he's leading all uh, Michigan starters in, in two point shooting. I think he's at 57%. So yes, he's able just to kind of get a reliable outside shot. I think that's just going to make this team even even more dangerous.
0: Let's talk about John Teshke for just a minute, James. I, I mean. He's exceeded expectations easily in his career. I think we all agree on that. Right now seems to be struggling at times on offense, especially at close range. Do you think that's uh, concerning at all?
1: Yeah, I think well, I think with John, I think, you know, kind of everybody kind of goes through, it seems like everybody goes through a slump at some time. I think it's just, he's kind of facing that right now. And I mean, obviously, you know, last season he was kind of not like the main guy. Like, I mean, he was more so like, you know, kind of like the fourth, fifth option on offense a lot of times. Because obviously, you know, last year Michigan had Iggy, Jordan, and and Charles kind of, or kind of more so shouldering the offensive burden. Obviously, Juwan Howard made it, made a point of emphasis that he wanted John Teske to kind of. Be the go-to scorer for this team, and he wanted to kind of run the offense through him and through the post more. So, so I think he's he's kind of been. I mean, he's kind of going through this more so for the first time, kind of being one of the the, the first options. But, but yeah, I think with his offensive struggles, I think what John pointed out is that he feels like teams are maybe trying. They're putting more of a, a focus on kind of pushing him further away from the block. So when he's catching the ball, he obviously is further away and he has more work to do. Um, as opposed to you know if he's able to establish himself in the post and he can maybe just take you know one dribble and turn and he's kind of right there. So that's one thing he he's he's talked about is that you know teams are are forcing him out further. he's he, he has more work to do. So you know obviously if he takes like a couple of dribbles and turns, obviously his shot's more difficult just because he's further away from from the rim. And I mean you got to remember too that uh, John was never really a back to the basket kind of guy. I mean under under you know Coach Beeline, he was more so of a, a pick and pop, pick and roll type of threat. He was more of a kind of just dove to the basket a lot more. He wasn't, you know, really put in these post-up situations a lot. So it's been kind of a, a transition for John this season, just kind of, you know, getting comfortable playing with his back to the basket. obviously, you know, doing something that you're not, you know, completely used to or haven't been doing. You know, the last, you know, couple seasons. I mean, obviously there's going to maybe be a rough patch or you know, kind of some hiccups that come along with that. And I think that's just kind of been what's happening as of late. And I mean, it's it's only a matter of time before he hopefully snaps out of it. I mean, at Purdue he kind of had a cu- couple shots go down, but yeah, it just seems like at times maybe it seems like he's he's rushing it a little bit more. Um, maybe he's off balance and he's not going up strong. But he just kind of pointed out that he thinks that he just has to do a better job of doing his work early and kind of. Establishing his, uh, you know, his um, position in the post better, and, and there, and it's also on, you know, the the guys on the outside too, the post feeders, kind of putting him in better positions as well, because there have been times where you know he's kind of down in the in the post and he has position, but you know they just kind of have a, a pass that maybe is off off target and kind of just like you know moves him. Off the block a little bit more to where he has to do more work in, and John Teske has been facing you know more double teams too, so that mm-hmm. plays into it as well. But um, I think it's just one of those things. I think when you're when you're kind of more of a more of a focal point on offense, and you're kind of a you know teams are probably scouting him a lot more than they were last season. I mean, obviously you're kind of going to go through those slumps and stretches, and uh, I think he's kind of just in his funk right now. But yeah, I think. Hopefully, it eventually he'll he'll snap out of it. But I just think it's kind of one of those things, one of those just uh, slumps he's kind of dealing with right now.
0: What's the uh, the latest on Eli Brooks uh, and and his injury? I haven't seen much about that since Saturday.
1: We hadn't had availability yet before Thursday's game, but um, yeah, it's just uh, it just seems to be a nose injury. Just how serious of a nose injury it is, we don't know. As far as if it's broken or not. We don't know. It sounded like Eli could have returned to the game at Purdue, but Juwan Howard just said, you know, that he was just going to hold him out because he said, you know, his health was more important than him kind of coming back in. But uh, yeah, we don't we don't know as of yet. It just seems like it's all we know is that it's a nose injury. But I think it's a a positive sign that he could have returned to the game if Juwan needed him. But I'm sure we'll get a diagnosis here on uh, probably on Wednesday before Thursday's game as to I guess what his. how severe of an injury it is, or, or exactly what happened, but as of that, we don't know. We just know that you know he kind of had that head-to-head collision, and he was kind of bleeding from his nose, and he had to leave and go back to the locker room. But as to far as uh, how serious, we don't yeah, we don't know yet.
0: Well, two big ones this week, so uh, a final question for you, James. It's Wisconsin at home, of course, on Thursday, not going to be easy. Then Ohio State down in Columbus, and they're playing good basketball again. I don't know if it's as well as they were early in the season, but they're definitely improving. Your thoughts on both of those teams, and what Michigan has to do to get W's against both?
1: Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin, they're they're kind of one I mean, if if you look at, uh, as of late, I think they're the other quote-unquote hot team. That's kind of in the Big Ten. I mean, they've won four straight, and obviously Michigan's five straight. I mean, they've kind of what they've what they've been doing as of late has kind of been impressive because obviously they lost, you know, one of their top players, kind of transferred out with King. And uh, but yeah, I mean, Wisconsin's always kind of that. Uh, that physical team and we know that how they kind of play they're kind of that slow grinded out team so obviously with Michigan in that game I think you know obviously taking care of the ball and limiting Wisconsin to just you know one shot per possession is going to be huge in that game but obviously Michigan is going to have the the advantage of, of home court so yeah I think like I said I think just as long as Michigan's able to take take care of the ball and kind of limit Wisconsin to, you know, to one shot per possession. I think that Michigan will probably fare well in that game and then and then at Ohio State obviously that's the uh, the rematch with uh, obviously Michigan lost by by two with that late flagrant foul on uh, Xavier Simpson kind of that heartbreaking loss so, yeah, I mean, Ohio State's kind of a, a weird team to kind of really put your finger on. I mean, they play they seem to to play well against good competition, but then they can also, you know, kind of fall and play to the level of other teams below them. So they're kind of a weird team to kind of put your finger on, especially during Big Ten play. But, yeah, I think that's just going to be one of those games where Michigan's going to have to try to contain Caleb Weston because I think if you look back to that first game, he was, he was kind of a, a problem for Michigan. So if they can kind of keep him, you know, at bay and not let him get in the rhythm, I think that will kind of play well them there I think obviously with Michigan here in these last four games I think as long as they just defend home and kind of win these last two home games I think they'll be in pretty good shape but for the Ohio State game obviously the it's going to be the return for uh, Xavier Simpson and John Teske going back to Ohio so maybe uh, you know there'll be some motivation for those guys obviously to pull out that win and obviously for them to get revenge against them but so yeah for Wisconsin I think the keys are just to to kind of take care of the ball because we know that Wisconsin likes to play that grind it out type of style and kind of limit them to one shot and then Ohio State, I think the big thing is just, like I said, I think just kind of keying on Caleb Wesson because he was the guy that kind of, you know, gave Michigan problems in in that first inning match. So if they're able to maybe do those things in those those two meetings, I think they'll probably have a good shot of – kind of extending this win streak to to seven wins uh,
0: rolling into March. Well, let's hope so. Our guest on our uh, game day segment this week has been beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. It's going to be a fun uh, couple of weeks, final stretch drive, and then the Big Ten tournament, and, of course, the NCAA tournament uh, coming soon. So, James, as always, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, and we look forward to our next visit. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the vSporto network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maize & Brew. On Quick Hits today, it was announced on Monday football will not be taking an international trip this spring due to the coronavirus outbreak. We don't know for sure where they were planning to go, but the decision was made by university officials to play it safe and stay home. The team will take part in community volunteer activities instead. In other news, women's basketball used a 7-0 run in the middle stages of the fourth quarter after Michigan State took a 49-48 lead to regain control and route to a 65-57 win over the Spartans on Sunday evening at the Breslin Center. With the win, Michigan secured a season sweep of the Spartans for the first time since the 2014-15 season. Coach Kim Barnes-Arrico's team will close out the road portion of its regular season schedule Thursday, traveling to Penn State for a 7 p.m. game. We are 18-9 overall, 9-7 in Big Ten play. Hockey had their senior night celebration spoiled by Notre Dame as they fell 3-0 on Saturday at Yost Ice Arena. The Fighting Irish scored three goals in the third period to secure the shutout. The Irish swept the weekend series, winning on Friday night also. The Wolverines will close out the regular season on the road as they travel to Minneapolis on Friday and Saturday to take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers in a critical conference series. Friday's game will begin at 7.30 p.m. Central Time, and Saturday's contest will start at 5 p.m. Central. We are 15-14-3 overall, 10-10-2 in Big Ten play. The number 8-ranked University of Michigan softball team sacrificed a four-run lead and was doomed by a pair of late-inning home runs as Liberty earned a 6-5 walk-off win in the Gamecock Invitational Finale on Sunday morning at Carolina Softball Stadium. It was Michigan's third loss of the weekend and just the second win this season for Liberty, who has played ten games against ranked opponents this season, including seven against top ten teams. Michigan will head west for its annual spring break trip, kicking off the 10-day trip with a five-game appearance at the annual Judy Garmin Classic this weekend in Fullerton, California. U of M will open the tournament Friday with a one game against Loyola Marymount and Anderson Family Field. We are still off to a good start with plenty of time to get the bats going. Our record heading into this week's action is 10-3. Number one baseball fell behind early and never recovered, falling 9-2 against Yukon in the finale of its three-game series at the New York Mets training complex. We dropped two of three to Yukon in that weekend series. We will head west to start the California spring break road trip this week with a three-game series against Cal Poly Friday through Sunday in San Luis Obispo. The road swing will see Michigan play eight games in 10 days with contests against the Mustangs, Stanford, Cal, and Pepperdine. We are four and three heading into this week's action. That will do it for another show. As you can tell, it's a busy time on the Michigan athletic scene, and we will be right back here next week with more for you, so please join us. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until we meet again, take care, and as always, Go Blue!